Good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Belinda Carter from Arudite Working Dogs. <laughs> Belinda will pick in who she thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey, Today, how are you going? Good. How's it going? Big day, so a bit tired, yeah. yeah. Big day. Big day. A bit, a bit of swimming involved today? Oh, these bloody floods. I wish they'd just uh, get out to sea quickly, as quick as possible. So, yeah, we've had them, um, oh, we've had about 2,000 acres of under flood water, about 10 metres from the house now for oh, three and a half months, three months. Yeah. And now it's coming on the back of the feedlot where I work. And, yeah, fun and games moving animals in flooding paddocks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Were you ever... Um... Did you have any like um, plans if things that did get this bad, how you would go about it? Or oh, yeah, it's all been done in stages, and because we've got multiple levy banks, so you know, um, stage one if that levy bank went, and now the second levy bank went today. So, I mean, none of the animals are at risk at all, but it's um, you don't want to jump the gun and move everything and, and get yeah. them off the oat crops and that to just sit in yards. So it's just yeah. been as we needed to, and and it's not going to be a um, what's the word. Uh, a flash flood or anything it's just levees you know paddocks filling up slowly have you guys yeah, seen well. anything like it like it before i haven't i grew up in the blue mountains i'm from bushfire country yeah. so um yeah, where right. i'm used to hawkesbury floods where it's been and gone this is just hanging around and now uh, welcome yeah. to mozzie land <laughs> yeah, i didn't realize you were a hawkesbury person yeah yeah um i grew up in the blue mountains and um I cut my teeth at london dairy pony club and um oh. <laughs> I went to London Dairy, so yeah. yeah, wow, what a small I used world. I live at Osborne Park long before yeah. Godolphin ever um, renovated it. So yeah, wow, that is a really small world, isn't it? It is. I did not realise that at all. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the um, what's the predictions there with um, with the water? Are you expecting any more? Coming, yeah, or? there's um the peaks keep like they peaks go past and um at the moment they they were really worried about Denny Denny liquid so right. I mean lots of sandbagging there, all that water eventually comes down to us uh, but apparently it dropped today so it's just hard to predict because if it spills over someone else's upstream or like you just can't predict the water because someone well some poor farmer gets eight thousand acres under it takes the pressure off us so. Hmm. Or the flip side, if someone's gone and done illegal banks and they're going to push it <laughs> further down. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Absolutely. So, do you want to, we'll jump into it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where you grew up um, yeah. and sort of what led you to where you are today? Yeah, I um, grew up in the Blue Mountains and um, always loved dogs and horses. Begged my first parents for, oh, sorry, but I begged my parents for my first horse. Yeah, um, really yeah, I know. It's been a long day. Um, and, yeah, Dad was like, oh, there's a free horse. You can go and get this free horse. I didn't know what the pretty marks on his neck were or anything, but I didn't care. I had a horse with four legs and it neighed. Um, ended up being a standard bread. Um, and, yeah, I think that's always been in my personality. Everyone said, oh, you can't do anything with that horse. And I was like, watch me. Off I went and I'd uh, spend my uh, school holidays at Chris Chugs and I show jumped and I went to Sydney Show Jumping Club with this standard bread that everyone said, you know, can't do it. And I'm like, well, he goes over jumps <laughs> and we get around the course. Um, yeah, and then I ended up, so I've had the horses and then 
when I left home at 18, I wanted my own dog. And I was Kelpie, cattle dog, Kelpie, cattle dog. Um, I just wanted something that I could just go out horse riding with, look after itself, didn't have to babysit, had a bit of brain about it. And I ended up going with the cattle dogs. And yeah, I've had them like ever since I was 18. Um, and then Kelpie's a recent. Uh, went off and did a zoology degree, uh, then ended up sales repping for 10, 12 years. Um, you know, I looked after like veterinary sales repping, I looked after dairy portfolios down now or and that. And then 2018, big, did, finally did the big move out of Sydney, moved down to Albury. Um, and then 2000, and, when was it? Oh, year and a half ago, went four hours west. And yeah, I've been out here ever since. And so yeah, it's been a real transition from like weekend warrior, um, going to out to Erskine Park, the herding out there, um, doing it with my cattle dogs and stuff. And then yeah, coming out to the NBA station, which is where I'm now. And why why cattle dogs? Why was that your flavour? Oh, because again, I don't like following the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> but I ruled out the black and white variety. Yeah. <laughs> um and like I just love Aussie dogs and I like, you know, I had my own Murray Greys for a while and you know, I've got stock horses now, so I do like anything Australian. Um, but, yeah, I just like the attitude and the fact that they could look after themselves and um, the intelligence. And at that stage I, I didn't have the pressure of needing, like, stock dogs. I just liked the breed and then started going on weekend herding. And um, But I, I had then I then I got into some pedigree ones or I researched bloodlines and I got bloodlines from a lady up at um, – She'd been up the Hunter Valley and she was probably a bit like me. She was, she culled a lot of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but if they could go out into her back paddock and, and uh, bring her her cows, then they bred on. And so, yeah. you know, the, mine have got a little bit of gather and all that in them and it's just, you know, I started off with those ones. So, yeah. and, and you're still using your cattle dogs today? I am, I am. So that always just started off as a bit of a hobby. Just I like genetics and I like um, seeing how much I could improve them, what could I add, a bit of this, a bit of that. Um, and now I've found myself at this um, feedlot backgrounding operation that, yeah, they come in handy. Like, you know, we have 12,000 cows and 12,000 cattle on site most of the time and, yeah, I'm going to push them around pens and, yeah, a bit of, a bit of grunt dog is um, quite handy now. Yeah. Was there someone that inspired you? Um, someone who actually helped me uh, five, six years ago, and I was importing semen from overseas because I was just trying to find, like, try to find footage of good cattle dogs working, and it's as rare as hen's teeth. So, any dog I could find, no matter how much it cost me, I imported the semen, and and that's where I've sort of led me to the dogs that I've got now. But years and years ago, again, I'm not shy. I, um, you know, I was a kid with a standard bread, and I contacted Chris Chug, you know, Australian. Top yeah. name show jumper. Yeah. And off I went with my standard bread. So I would just start messaging Tony McCallum <laughs> and say, Hey, Tony. And um, yeah, he had a lot of insightful stuff about uh, what the breed was 50 years ago, 40 years ago, and, and what they should be. So uh, at that stage, I was probably trying to make, because I was going to the Sheepdog Club, I was trying to make square pegs fit into round holes. Um, mm -hmm but that sort of got me back on track and, and now I've definitely got square pegs in square holes here. <laughs> yeah. What was some of the best advice he gave you? Oh, um, most of the advice was more just um, keeping me on track with what 
what I should be aiming to breed. So not softening them, looking for that intelligent dog, um, uh, you know, a dog which worked both ends, um, not just, you know, bash and grab at the heels and, and chase, chase, chase. Uh, so, yeah, no, that was and, – and he was good too because he'd give me very, very brutally fair criticism on my videos. Um, but he'd also not be the, you know, a breed basher type person. You know, like he yeah. – like a good dog is a good dog. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And when you were looking for that semen, was there somewhere in particular that it was coming from, like a country or an area or – yeah, um, surprisingly, the Americans love them over there. I mean, you know, they're still not as big as like, you know, your, your cattle bred collies and stuff. Um, but there's a lot of ranchers using them. And I found a guy in Kansas, Brett. And uh, yeah, and in the end, like I've sent him a dog. Um, he sent me lots of semen. Um, yeah, and then from that ended up a trip over there. Uh, I actually yeah. went and watched um, a little cattle dog work on the Flint Hills of Kansas at Mush Rush Red Angus. And that was good because I just at that stage I'm thinking, oh, they're not really a paddock dog. And and this little yeah, this little yeah. bitch was um really, really good, knew a job. And that's since led me to realise that um with training these guys, they're um, you know, it's not like a Kelpie pup and you drop them on the ground and they instantly go to work. These guys, once they know their job, like their intelligence levels carries it over where they um like show them the job. And then they'll do it all day long for you. So does that make sense? Yeah. And and we hear over here, like where people might use them, where they need a little bit of grunt, like you said. Were they using them any different over in the states? Um, no, just pretty much, um, particularly like in feedlots and stuff. And and here, um, I certainly use them. Like the feedlot that I work at, we have like we buy our cattle in often at 500 kilos. So when most people are sending them off to slaughter, we're getting them in. So um, and all sorts of breeds. So just I could send a flock of kelpies in, <laughs> mm-hmm. or I can just send one kelpie and one little bodyguard with that kelpie, you know, and and the kelpie gets into the right position, and the cattle dog learns to back the kelpie up, and I can get most jobs done with just those two dogs. And you mentioned earlier that um, your dogs still have a bit of like, um, I think you meant, I think you said herding ability, but like more so arc and whatnot, getting around their stock. How difficult was you had to go through a few dogs to find that particular style? In, in no, the, I was lucky yeah. that the, the, the um, bloodline I started back, when did I get the first one? Uh, 2010. Um, just did it. Like, just. Um, you know, I started off doing the ANKC herding and I think she was seven months old and she got like 91 out of 100 in her started level, you know, like, yeah, because she just held them to me. Um, you know, no footwork, nothing like that, but just, you know, shut, just keep shutting the door on them if they wanted to escape and just kept driving them up to me. So, yeah. yeah. And actually the- had, uh, you're right. You go, it's all right. I actually had a cattle dog here last weekend, the weekend before, in this little group we had here, and I'd never seen footwork in a cattle dog like in this one. It was amazing. I was just like, is, is this thing wearing a suit? Like, it was it was so cool to see. And we get a few cattle dogs through here, but that one was, like, proper special. I was just like, wow. And I actually sent that lady your way, so I hope she got in contact with you. I can't Hopefully, because... 
yeah, it's just finding, like, I think there's still a lot of genetics hidden in there to not resurrect the breed, but, you know, like get it back to its former glory. It's just mm -hmm. finding them. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just really fine, hard finding them. And you've got, uh, you started that new association. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what you guys are doing? Yeah, that's just come about um, from a wanting to try and start a registry to record these dogs um anything which phenotypically looks like a cattle dog and is, is working you know um and yeah and trying to support people because you know what it's like or well, i know what it's like you know i'd rock up to i've gone i've done so many dog schools and i would rock up with my cattle dog <laughs> and it would either be there was either very very welcoming clinicians or you know you could see them take a deep breath and the shoulders would go down and <laughs> um, but I was always proud that mine were never carnage like you know there was um I've had you know people follow me back out to the car park going oh my god I've ne I didn't know they could you know like wow yours could actually work and and um yeah but for all those people that try to go to the dog schools and again try to make square pegs fit into round holes we thought we'd just try and start an association that could run training days and you know at the moment it's probably more you know weekend warrior type people and, and that joining up but yeah, we have to start somewhere and if in five Absolutely. years time we've got the must you know the people up in queensland mustering when you know like that sort of stuff it would be fantastic yeah and um you guys had a uh trial a couple of months ago yeah, so they had the um, the great cattle dog muster. So if anyone understands the history of stompies and cattle dogs, they were developed up at Dartbrook, at Musselbrook. Um, so that was, you know, a big celebration of cattle dogs and stompies. And, yeah, we ran the working trial there. I had no idea who was going to enter. I had no idea of the standard. I had, like, we ran a clinic the day before. Um, uh, Kenny Robinson, three sheep Kenny, he was very gracious and was our judge and you, you couldn't have asked for a kind of judge uh but again surprisingly like we had roping steers because you know you're not going to get you know two thousand head angus donated <laughs> for our trial so we had roping steers and and they're a little bit tough actually because they've been trained to bust out the gates and then turn around and return back you know to the gate so uh, there was quite a strong draw on them and there was actually so much heading ability blocking up, you know, I'm not going to say clean heading, but they could stop and roll the cattle back and turn them back yeah. 180 and push them back where they were meant to go. And, yeah, that was quite pleasing to see. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. Have and you had, had any? Past... Hmm? You're right. Sorry, Kiga. Oh, and, like, oh, I mean, I just signed the course and so there was no cast because, yeah. again, you know, I went through that stage where I was just trying to make them work like Kelpies and Collies and, I don't know, I don't, they don't, the trial doesn't have to be the same because these guys are really good at pushing stuff. So eventually our courses will have things like, you know, push the cattle over a tarp on the ground, push them over a log on the ground. You know, um, uh, the pickup is out of a tight corner. So, yeah, hopefully it, hopefully it grows. I've got my, my employer, JBS, is getting behind us. So, you know, nothing like a bit of money incentive. Yeah. <laughs> Prize money yeah. that might bring people yeah. out. Absolutely. <laughs> And you mentioned Tony before and Kenny there. Has there been anyone else that's really helped you grab the wheelbarrow and push it along? Yeah, so I, um, I again, went to a clinic, Steve Wayman Clinic, and um, I took, you know, I had Kelpies with me, um, but I took uh, three cattle dogs and 
and yep, we got in the round yard with the sheep and, and he was a bit surprised. I've got one that has a fair bit of eye and and then we moved over to, you know, doing a, the lessons and stuff and then we went up to filling the race and he's like, oh, can I fill the race? I said, yeah, watch this, up on the backs. And <laughs> so Steve and I became quite good friends after that and, yeah, he's, he's super supportive even to the point where he's on his way to Adelaide recently, he stopped in and, and spent the day with us at work and, yeah. yeah. We won't talk about that the day that uh, my wonderful, wonderful main Kelpie decided that he'd never seen a sheep before in his life. And <laughs> <laughs> Always the way. Yeah. Steve would have had a good laugh anyway, so I'm sure it's happening. Oh, yeah, I think it was like, oh, well, I know the lowest work you'll accept now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, you've... I have no idea where that was going. Sorry. No, you're all right. Well, I got you there. Oh, you no, mentioned... and then I suppose the other person who's um out of the blue contacted me a while ago and, and I pick his brain a lot is Ricky Jones. So yep. he can see, again, he's, you know, I, I meet two different types of people when I've got this breeder dog with me and they're either the people who are like, you know what, a good dog is a good dog. I You know, I can appreciate running one of these with the Kelpies to pull up billy goats and, and all that. And, and all these people that I'm talking about have always been very, you know, hats off to you you know it's 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 good and and then you meet the others that it's you know just a sport to put other people down or whatever so yeah yeah and another bonus no one would touch your truck ever no no but i'm trying i don't mind i always say that mine they'll have a bark but i i I don't do aggressive cattle dogs so yeah yeah yeah. Do you want to, um, you mentioned before where the cattle dog was developed over here in Musselbrook. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the history of the cattle dog? And just, just oh, it's all up for, um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that's that a, because okay. everyone gets no, everyone gets all um, caught up in that and I want to know where we're going, like yeah, like where, where we're going forward. And, you know, someone wrote a piece of paper back in 1902 or whatever. And, you know, it's just, yeah. I just want to see where the breed can go and, and I, don't, I don't believe in like a piece of paper written back in 1902 is going to hold like everything evolves like we're not using tractors that we used but you know or, or shearing hand pieces that we used in 1902 so i don't believe the dog the breed should be the same as yeah, yeah. where do you see the breed going then oh i just like i said i um where a little bit what how i'm using them is i work out here at yambinia station and eight thousand acres we have 1200 head of cattle thirty-five thousand lambs um, backgrounding as well so it's a lot of paddock work and I just really enjoy using them don't get me wrong I've got my kelpies as well but they just pack a pump so like instant I don't like a particular type of dog I like having a team so they're you know they're my little like um you know rugby league team <laughs> I've got my wingers and my fullbacks and then I've got my forwards and um and I just use them as I see fit but like we have all breeds, like we have pretty much everything but Wagyu come through here. I mean, British breeds are our core breeds because we go for high marbling um, and good eating quality. But we do have, we do grow out some cattle for certain markets. So we do have Brahmin, limos, um, Frisians, everything. And I don't care. No amount of wall of Kelpies is going to move a stubborn limo out of my pens down the laneways. So just bring in my little heel nipper. (laughs) And, um, yeah. So, yeah, there is a certain place for them here. And I used to always think, oh, I want them to be all things to everything and I'll make them better sheep dogs. And I've given up on that. I do use them in the sheep yards, but 
first and foremost, they have to be cattle dogs for me. And if they can help out when the Kelpies get tired, um, then, yeah, little Pip's a cracker. She loads the shearing shed. She she backs up the shearing shed race. She, yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen some videos on your Facebook and um, you've put them in a few groups on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. And it always gets a lot of comments, which is awesome. Yeah, and, again, I just think that it's the – I like the intelligence of the breed. So she's just – She's not a natural backer. Well, that must have made all of mine are taken to like ducks to order. Uh, but they just, the, I don't know, the dingo in them or whatever, they just, ah, oh, they, they go, that's what you want. And, mm. and so they don't instinctually put themselves in the right position, but they see the task at hand and go, oh, you want them to that gate, I'll do it. I And I think the most important thing to teach them as a breed is gears, not sides first, but um, steady, slow down. We don't have to move them all at a rate of knots. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And mentioning just how intelligent um, they are there, do you find them a bit cautious as well? Or you got oh, yeah, there's cautious? always that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not everyone's best friend and they are certainly totally devoted to one or two people. Um, yeah. But, again, that's, you know, Kelpies love working. You know, I refer to Kelpies because that's another breed. But, like, you know, they, they love working. These guys love pleasing you. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and anyone who's had one knows that. So, absolutely. And how about um bark? Are you using bark with with your cattle dogs? Oh no, they don't bark. They don't. No? They just use their teeth. They don't ask. <laughs> they just tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I, you're a Laura. I was going to say, um, obviously using both, you know, your cattle dogs and your kelpies when it. When they're pups and you start training them, do you do things similar or are they completely different? Um, I've, I'm doing it a lot different now um, than I was, say, you know, five, six years ago. Um, if a 12-week-old cattle dog pup can't pick itself up off the dust, like dust itself off after being rolled by a bit of, like, you know, pushy you, um, yeah. it's not going to make a cattle dog. So, And I do think, you know, you wouldn't do that to your Kelpie pups. You wouldn't knock the confidence out of them. But I think my cattle dog pups, I like them to learn to use their brains, not their brawn. Mm -hmm. So if they sort of get sat back on their butt a little bit, they start to think, okay, I have to be a bit more tactical, not a bull at a gate. Yeah. So I'm not saying I set them up and I throw them in to get hurt, but yeah. if they go to, if they want to pick a fight with something and they lose the fight, that was their own silly fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. <laughs> Sounds brutal, <laughs> doesn't it? But. <laughs> Uh, you need them tough, right? Yeah, and 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 yeah, they need to learn to to use their brain, not um, use their presence and brawn straight away. Yeah, and obviously that also comes into um, picking your pup. But is there differences you want? Um, you know, when you're picking that eight week old pup, or are you picking a pup that you like, or do you have yeah? Um, we, you know, at the moment we're um, keeping some Frisian wieners at home and we just drop them in and let them, you know, do the, see what moves they have. And I'm just looking for something which hangs off the, off the cattle a little bit and then wants to block up, wants, yeah. doesn't just zone in on the heels, wants to get out around and stop, like stop movement. So they're very good at creating movement, but I want some that are a little bit wired to stop it as well. And cognitive, I think I keep saying like they they learn how to do things. You, like, you can teach them a lot and they learn on the job. 
but that's because you need a clear-headed cognitive pop. Yeah, yeah. And what about your Kelpies then? What are you looking for in them? Oh, I'm only starting this journey of Kelpies at the moment when I um, left being, you know, in marketing and and sales repping. I knew I needed a Kelpie um, to get out there and, and do stuff. And I rang around and I knew I had the the punch power. So I rang around looking for anyone who had a lightly started, uh, softer young Kelpie. And when I spoke to Fred and Catherine Raines, they were kind of like, our dogs aren't normally renowned for being the softer types, but we do have one here. Um, He's probably not going to work out for us. And, yeah, so that's how I ended up with Lockie B. Slate. Love him to bits. He's he's awesome. He's an awesome dog. He saves my butt many times a day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so just to jump back on your cattle dogs there like and those traits you're looking for i imagine the gene pool is pretty small so oh, how, it's do you, yeah. how do you go about finding that that semen that you're importing and whatnot i'm imagining lots of time behind a computer here and lots of um full starts as well as well yeah, yeah, luckily I haven't had too many um, false starts. There's some nice dogs in France. I really I've collected semen from and that, but that's really hard dealing with. Yeah, yeah, there's actually some nice dogs there. Yeah, um, they're not, not working frogs over there? Were, were they no, there? no. Like a Cheryl-A over there, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, and um, uh, with the, most of the videos I've seen are like gathering out in the paddock with sheep and stuff. And, you know, and, and yep. again, European yep. sheep are probably, they're not, you know, bolting for the hills um so a little bit easier to get out and around for a sort of that slower heading dog but yeah it's just dealing with the french vets to get it out of there but yeah it was just a case of looking on youtube and facebook and just you know yeah if someone told me they found cattle dogs in france i'd laugh at them yeah. and call bs 100%. I'd ask what drugs they're on because I'd want some. Oh, if I didn't hear that from yourself, I probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Oh, they're they're everywhere. Finland, um, yeah, been to South Africa twice because of the cattle dogs. Um, yeah. Do you think it is that punch that's making them so popular? Oh, I think it's a, they start off as a loyal pet first. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Maybe they just haven't discovered Kelpies. No, <laughs> no they've certainly, there's actually a lot of people over there who have got both breeds. So, and what you can you can be honest here, mm-hmm. red or blue? Oh, I like both. I started <laughs> off with blues and then had a couple yeah. of good reds, and yeah, good dog's a good dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like my blues, but I've had a couple of nice looking red dogs through here. And I'm just like, oh wow, that's a good looking dog. Oh, yeah, good red. A good red is a nice dog to look at. Yeah. Absolutely. Got their mascara going and all that. It looks really <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> Speaking of, you mentioned your first dog there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? The first dog? Yeah, your first cattle dog. Oh, um, that was him. So, again, yeah, that's Jake. Jake, yeah. yeah. He was a lovely dog. And, um, yeah, I had him all through my 20s. And, yeah, I'd be out riding on London Dairy Road there at Castlereagh, crossing the 100K zone. You know, like, and he just had a brain about him. And... Yeah, sensible, you know, worked out snakes and coexist with snakes really well. And, yeah, the intelligence really sold me. Yeah. And have you got him in any of your dogs now? Did you ever breed him? No, no, he was, he was, I actually look back now because he wasn't pedigree or anything. He was a giveaway dog. I actually think that was a bit of bullying him or something. So, but, I mean, essentially he was a cattle dog, but I swear that was a bit of 
brindling in that background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your current team there. Uh, so at the moment I've got Pip. She's the little one that you know, often share videos, little blue healer, and she's got heaps of eye. She's, um, yeah, like I said, we had last just last year we had 28,000 cows come through here that have to be moved and pushed around and taken out backgrounding, brought back in, way out sheds. Um, they get used a lot. And she has not met her match at all. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there was one day there I thought, oh, you might have met your match here. We had to push up. I think he went out at about 960 kilo Angus Bullock and uh, he wasn't too fussed to leave his pen. And I think it took the third good head bite before he actually turned and went to the gate. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, she hasn't yet to meet her match. So um, she's awesome. I've got a younger three-quarter sister, Ivy. She's three-quarter sister um, but is much more flankier. Pips are very much a direct line, walk up, push them off her. Ivy just loves out in the paddock, you know, if you send her to the head to block them up. She's she's on those she's on those noses. One thing they don't do is hang though. So they've got very clean nose bites, so they stay out of trouble. And when people say, mm -hmm. Oh, just go to um, cattle bred collies, and I'm like, Yeah, well, A, I like these dogs, and I've invested 10 years into breeding them. Um, but they don't break. But they don't break. We were moving them out of flood water today and, and uh, Pibby got frustrated with one and, um, oh, God, that was a kick to the head. And I thought any other breed and they'd be disabled by now. But <laughs> their skulls must just be so thick. So, <laughs> And then Kelpie-wise, so I mean, I've got a couple of young cattle dogs coming through. Um, Kelpie-wise, I've got Lockerbie Sleep and I've got Ardu and Jade. I've got from Christy Shrubsole down in Hamilton Way in Victoria. Uh, they're going, yeah, they're going well. Sleet's awesome. He's, yeah, he was such a quiet dog when I got him. And, and I was told he was quiet. Um, and I think I don't do a lot of things by the book. So everyone says, you know, don't treat them like pets and keep them as work dogs. Well, I think actually um, that gave him confidence and brought him out out of his shell and, um, like, he learnt to cut loose and play and, and, and have fun. And now he's, yeah, he's quite handy. He's, he's got a nose bite on cattle and, yeah. I remember the first time, like I said, I went from being a weekend warrior and, you know, not much goes wrong when you're a weekend warrior to coming to this place and, and I'm the main dog person now and I got told to go out and get some backgrounding sheep and and I just remember this is the first time I was like, oh, my God, that dog just saved my butt so badly. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, you learn on the job. Don't muster yeah. to an open gate. So there's my gate wide open and out I go around and we get, you know, we drive them out of the paddock and I'm so confident they'd come out the gate and turn left. Just they're going to go that way because that's where the sheep are and that's where the, you know, sheep feed lot is. But, you know, hindsight's wonderful. If I had to turn right, um, that was where the feed mill is. There's B doubles tipping off. There's hay trucks unloading. There's feed trucks loading up. There's, you know, there's nooks and crannies everywhere. There's feed, but yeah, it's just I'm picturing disaster, aren't I? So yeah, push into the gate. Uh, nope, they don't go left. They go right. Good amazing. <laughs> they get right, and I was like, oh no. So like a bought mission. I bought the tail. I don't care what the tail's doing. <laughs> Me and my little Polaris get to the gate, and I just said, oh sleep way back please buddy way back <laughs> and off he went and got it you know and they just start to filter into the feed mill and I mean the worst thing would have been the stick I would have copped from the rest of the team <laughs> so I just remember distinctly going 
this is why we have dogs right yeah and back a couple of steps what made you leave the marketing and sales to go work on the feedlot Oh, over it. Question, Laura. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Stole my question, Laura. Oh, well, over it. Over yeah. it. And um and just yeah, I mean I've always, you know, grew up in the Blue Mountains, so it wasn't really country, but it wasn't really city either. And I feel like I've sort of found my place in the world yeah. here or in this industry. Um probably I also thought too I've um set myself up enough financially that I can take the big pay cut. But luckily I um, didn't take too much. This place doesn't pay too bad. So That's <laughs> right. yeah. so now I'm getting to, you know, live, live um, my hobby as a job. And, I mean, if people had told me that I was going to be, you know, scrubbing water troughs and <laughs> <laughs> as well, but no, it's all part of the package of animal husbandry, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just back on your dogs there, um, and we're talking about um, how quick your your cattle dogs learn. How about trainability? How do you find the trainability of, of that particular or your line of cattle dogs there? Oh, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of dog, um, yeah. and they're still quite willful dogs. But as long as they want to like please you, and you know, and it's something a little bit hard to do if you're only doing stuff on weekends or, you've, you know, you've only got sort of trainer stock at home. But the same as with the young horses, you know, they say wet saddle blankets make good horses. I really do think sore paws and long days make this breed, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So they learn to do it a bit smarter and, and not just with their, with their sheer grunt. Mm-hmm. And if you have something that doesn't show a lot of sheer grunt from the get-go, do you um do you spend a lot of time trying to build that or do you go, all right, that might be for someone else and let's get in and find something with that, with that bit of go? Yeah, there's been a few. That, well, there's actually been a few that I've moved to other people that um, just wanted sheer grunt. I actually want um, – I don't want uh, – uh, I want the sledgehammer that I can turn on and off. I don't want the, the sledgehammer 24-7. So I actually yeah. like them to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more, how do I say it, uh, not softer, but um, have a little bit more sensitivity to their stock. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier you like a bit of a different sort of style of team. Uh, you sort of don't want them all the same. Why is that? Uh, probably because of the variety of work we we do here. So um, uh, and yeah, so like we've got a lot of sheep in feedlot pens. We have to kick them out, take them down laneways. Um, then uh, a lot of paddock jobs. Uh, we have properties over the road, so there's a lot of you know bringing um, stock up and down roads. Uh, there's like all the cattle as well so you know there's like pens of frisians pens of limos pens of brahmin pens of angus um i mean most of the time these days it is more angus and, and um herefords here but we still have those ones come in so um it's just being able to pick the dogs that i think will do that job and also too like we get our job sheets in the morning and it's stock work for nine to ten hours a day so I can't just keep using like the number one dog like all day. There's a lot of concrete in the feedlot. Um, you know, the, the shearing shed, the graded floor is tough on their feet. So it's just managing them as well. Yeah. Do you guys educate your stock in the feedlot? 
or they're yeah. not around long enough. Yeah, I will see. Yeah, we turn them over every hundred days, so um, about twelve thousand on site at any time. They come in. Again, we don't know the history. They're all sale yard cattle, um, and yeah, so we just teach them to move off stop to move to the gate like we don't get to do you know a three-day wiener program or anything like that we just don't have the time um, but they certainly get a bit of predictability in their life like you know someone comes into my pen i move there um, i move off the dogs uh, particularly in the wet conditions at the moment it's much easier to send the dogs into the pen to clear them so and we're not asking the dogs to do a lot we just need them to get to the other side of the pen and then our education you know so we must be doing something right. I always think to myself, oh, like I could be doing, um, always striving to be better. But then I think, you now we've got store-bought uh, cattle here that, um, you know, one just graded nine plus marble score. Uh, so to get that quality of meat and the tender meat that we keep grading excellent, then, yeah, happy cattle, low-stress cattle. So, yeah. Very interesting, like... You know, we a lot of people will talk about doing that, you know, three-day wiener program and everything, and you guys just don't have that opportunity to do it. So to see, like, you explain how you guys are teaching them in a similar but different way, um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and, I mean, Ben, who is the manager here, is also my partner, <laughs> he's really, really big on education. So um, uh, before I started here, he had Neil McDonald come in and, and teach the other staff members um, about stock handling and anyone who did have dogs. Um, and then since then we've had Chris Sellers come down and, and then we're going to have David Murphy come from the horses side. So staff education and uh work animal education is really high on the agenda here so yeah i'm a sponge i don't have to pay for all these schools i normally have to, you know i'm off paying for all these schools and now we get to do them at work yeah. well it's an investment in in your people right oh it's an investment in the people and the safety um and just the quality meat so um yeah we've got a new line of meat here or, or beef potoro which is um yeah really really high graded angus and, and hereford meat and yeah, you know, we can't be having high cortisol levels and, and bruised animals and, yeah, there wouldn't be any profit in what we're doing because, you know, if we don't actually don't have a lot of lambs in at the moment just because the price of grain with Russia and, um, yeah, and I'm glad we don't with all the rain. Yeah. <laughs> we want to be right. looking after them. So. so a lot of steak on the menu then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get it pretty well looked after. <laughs> I can't go to the pub now and get a T-bone because... <laughs> <laughs> Direct. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> we've spoken a bit about breeding tonight. Um, do you breed many pups yourself? Oh, probably at the moment two litters a year. Uh, I want to slow down a little bit because it's so hard now being, I mean, I live out in the sticks now compared to Sydney, so yeah. <laughs> everything's a little bit harder. Even just, uh, you know, all the semen stored over at Wagga. You know, I used to have the luxury yeah, of just yeah. run down the road and get a progesterone test and um, now everything's a lot more planning. Um, yeah. yeah. And while we're talking about planning, what are you looking for for future joinings? Like obviously you're relying a lot on videos um, for a lot of the size you're using. Um, are you looking for a particular size or particular traits to put over particular bitches? 
Um, I've got enough. Do- I've been doing it long enough now that I've got enough dogs out with other people, and and I've done an, a few different lines. So now I'm. I've got the. You know, I've still. I, I don't want to back myself into a corner. I've still got to keep looking for outcrosses. But I do have enough uh, um, males and bitches out with friends and and other people that I can now start um, looking at those traits. And yeah, I, I certainly don't have the luxury of um, the other breeds, but yeah, it's a slow process, but I'm enjoying it. And the majority of what you're doing would be AI too, right? You're yeah, thinking, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a to do a natural cover these days is yeah. is a bit of luxury. So, what's involved in that? I had an incident today with with one of my dogs, and I was just like, I haven't got a lot of pups on the ground. I'm like, geez, I you know things start to run through your head, and you're like, what if, what if? What what's actually involved in the process of, of AI for yourself? Like, how um, how involving is it? Well, I've heard you guys ask these questions a few, you know, times on here to people about, you know, like AI and all that. And I always I sit down and think to myself, well, um, it's 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 only money. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll always kick yourself afterwards. So it's if you've got a dog you really like, just store them, just just get them frozen down. The you know, best the expensive, yeah, the, the the expensive bit is then when you got to use it. So mm-hmm. just freeze it down, and then people say, "Oh, is the dog worthy of being frozen?" I think. I'm a little bit more I look at what a bitch needs and, and where can I get uh, that from a dog or, or the other way around. So, that, you know, a dog might have a be um, a real natural in a particular style of work. Well, I just want to set him aside because there might be a bitch I need to use eight years down the track or 18 years down the track. Um, so I think it's if you can afford to do it, just put them on ice. It's, you know, you might never use it, um, but that it's there if you need it. So it's just essentially putting your putting your dogs on the shelf and, and yeah. getting them back when you, yeah. Like I don't think, a, I personally don't think a dog has to, you know, jump through hoops or, or um, um, be, you know, a, the world's greatest example of his breed. If he's got something unique to offer that you want to tap back into, then, um yeah, storing for sure. Great yeah, I'm a big believer it's the cheapest form of insurance on that dog too because yeah. yeah, you might lose your dog but you've got your genetics there for later down the track. Yeah, yeah, and you don't need a lot of it, just enough to, you know, maybe give you two or three breedings as, you know, mm. you've got to get something that you like out of that. So hopefully. <laughs> and and the, process, <laughs> the process with your bitch when you're ready to go about it, how, how involving is that? Oh, it's just, you know, tracking their progesterone, taking them to the vet. Um, so if you were remote or rural, it would be um, a lot easier to find a vet that would board them for you. So, you know, leave them there for two weeks or a week and so they can track it. So the critical bit is um, doing as many blood tests as possible to, to track the ovulation. So dogs are probably the worst animal to do AIs with because mm-hmm. you can't PG them like you can a horse. You can't bring them on. Um you miss it, you miss it. So the critical thing is tracking that blood work to get the point of ovulation and then, and then yeah, and then to yeah. go ahead with the <laughs> insemination. Yeah, a lot of people we've spoken to um, haven't had a lot to do with the actual AIing of the bitch. So it's, it's interesting to see someone like you that has done it with a few to tell us sort of the process really, I guess. Oh, it still hates a heartbreak. I mean, I've had ones that haven't worked and, you know, someone, you know, gave me some semen when I was 28 years old 
uh, from a dog I really wanted to use. That didn't wow. didn't take. Um, I've also got some semen that's about 32 years old that someone gave to me. And I'd really, because it goes back to the dogs behind all my original dogs, um, I've got to, yeah, bite the bullet and use it. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's AI. Like, I mean, I just got the phone call from the horse vets today that my um, mare didn't take. So let's oh, just that's do it. It's only money. Let's just do it again. <laughs> <laughs> the service fee was four and a half thousand, so I think I'll keep trying. Yeah. As you said, you've been uh, investing in this for like 10 years now into the breed? Yeah, yeah. It's just um, I, I – um, yeah, you, you sometimes have that, you know, you know, the AI didn't work or, you know, you just go, right, that's it, I'm done breeding. And then, yeah. you know, three weeks later you go, oh, but I wonder if that cross would work. Yeah, that could give me what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> and are you line breeding or like to like? I have to line breed because I don't have the, like I'm looking for outcrosses, but um, yeah. at the moment I am, um, yeah, grandfather granddaughter half brother sister uh, i've got to be really mindful of it and i have hit a point in the road that yeah the hence why i was looking at france and um i do have some other dogs stored so that are outcrosses it's just it's not just using them for the sake of an outcross so they've got to bring something to the table and yeah and i'm looking at the current bitches i've got and I'm, I'm wondering if they will match up but it usually comes to me at 5 a.m in the morning or <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of your bitches, um, do you believe there's a particular influence that your bitches have over the pup more so than the dog does or dogs is leaving their stamp over the bitch? What do, what are you seeing in, in what you do? Uh, I can't. I, I probably can't answer that. In the in, Yeah, I mean, my, my best um, bitch, PBL breeder again, um, but I, her first litter, um, she's got one male son that is very identical to her. Um, some of the other sons look, are acting very, very much like the the sire, um, and I've had a litter from him before. Um, yeah, I'm. I haven't done enough to to then to comment on that. So yeah, no, that's cool. Answered well. Love you. Oh, ask ask cool. me in another ten years, and I'm. <laughs> <laughs> so um. In terms of training, are you training on the job or are you setting time aside to, you know, go out and train those younger dogs? Yeah, um, we do have some training cattle, like the, the Frisian cleaners at home and a couple of merinos, but um, I had my third knee reconstruction last year, so I'm not too keen on those oh. <laughs> sheep which just fly at you. I'm, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I get out of the pen and I don't need a fourth knee reconstruction. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I do use them a little bit, um, but and then we're like we are lucky here. So we've always got mobs of sheep um, handy that we're allowed, you know, other staff are allowed to train the dogs on um, training cattle, which is usually we don't breed cattle here, but the amount of people who send heifers through the sale yards pregnant is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Late term pregnancy, so we let them carve out in the paddock. So we got a maternity paddock, and so then we end up with a whole bunch of weaners that we'll use as training cattle so uh at the moment um i've got a young kelpie bitch i bred she's about nine months old now she's probably 50 50 at the moment by nine months old i've taken her on jobs and just let her learn on the job but then she's also had a little bit of time getting um you know some buttons the buttons put on her left yep. is left right is right stop is stop so 
And, and speaking and, of, do you, do you have any um, milestone expectations for your pups? No, I, I very much don't do it. anything, um, not much by the book at all. And one of the things I just let them just go, I don't, I don't feel the need to, like, uh, grab every stock opportunity to expose them and that because we've got work all day every day here. So um, there's no missed opportunity because there's plenty of opportunity. So it's more if I'm in the mood, if, if um, you know, it's been going well and, yeah, I don't really have, like, if, if they want to go a bit quicker, if I've got some which are, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of the best way to answer it. Um, I just sort of let them tell me, you know, yeah. if, if I take them out on a little job and I let them, you know, drop them in on the tail and let them, and it's, yeah, I spend the whole time trying to pull them off the head. <laughs> then I might just um, steady them up a little bit and do a bit more in the training pen. Do you find that you give your cattle dogs a little bit more leeway if they're not coming along as quick than you do your kelpies? Oh, um, hold on a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't bred them. I've one kelpie litter, um, and I yeah. quite like them. The bitch I've got at the moment is probably short-heading a little bit at the moment, but I'm going to forgive that for a while because she she showed the opposite when she was a little bit younger. Um but yeah, I, was actually, I was listening to the Pip Flower one you did about the hunterways, and I actually thought, yeah, the cattle dogs, I oh, they're a little bit hard to, um, you know, have a set pattern for training. Like they really need to just be to learn on the job and, uh, yeah, just the, the, the best teacher for a cattle dog to pull itself up isn't me. It's it's the stock. So yeah. if yeah. You know, I, and when I used to do pet lessons with people because I owned a dog training business in, in the Hawkesbury for between 2005 and 2008 and, you know, I used to say to people with pet cattle dogs and they'd be like, no, 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 you know, and like I say they're bred to get kicked in the head by a cow. <laughs> they yeah. can take a bit of pressure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that they're just coming out to jobs with the cattle dogs and just learning on the job and and they have to learn how to interact with the cattle as well so they can put themselves in some um uh you know they're the, the ford pack so i don't want them getting injured but they have to learn I, I can't instruct them how to deal with the cows they have to get a feel for it so um pip she's just turned three she has she has the best front foot bite. She's she can go into those uh, feedlot pens and she stays out of trouble. And I think it was just from learning on the job. Yeah, yeah. And any advice? Yeah. <laughs> um, any advice to someone picking their first pup? Uh, I don't think. Uh, not really. I, again, yep. I haven't been around enough to. Um, I th for me, if it's a cattle dog pup, it's it's got to be cognitive. It's got to have a thinking brain about it. Um, not the most dominant pup that's bashing up everything else. Not the one that's hiding in the background. Uh, the thinker, the, the planner. I think that's the yeah. best one. And as for kelpies, like I've, I've I've always said to myself, "Geez, these guys are so much easier yeah. <laughs> than the cattle dogs." So I'll just I'll just pick the one that I'm attracted to. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's a question here from Ben Lamani saying, um, when you're talking about changing, teaching like a cattle dog to change gears earlier, it's um, in relation to that. He said, in teaching them to change gears, how do you how do you actually teach them to slow down? Um, this, 
I will do a little bit in the training pen um, with just, you know, exact same as like a, a walk up with a Kelpie, you know, like just a, a straight line um, walk up behind um, and just just getting them to start to feel a little bit of the bubble and just, um, yeah, using a rake, you know, using a bag on the end of a stick and just getting them to start to pull themselves up a little bit um, with a word like steady, and, and just so they start to learn that. Um, but I see that the, the gears really start to uh, kick in um, when they've done that saw pads, wet saddle blankets yeah. and, and yeah. And are you asking them to go sideways um, when you're doing that back in the training pen or are you asking for a stop just so they start to pull up a little? Uh, a straight line stop because, you know, yeah. they're not, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll balance a little bit to me and they'll gather to me, but they're not going to um, be a, a, a sort of a sideways, oh, how is that, like um, they drive in a straight line. So, yeah. Yep. So it's more, and when I say gears, it's more about like how much pressure they apply. So yep. they're a breed which likes moving heaps. Um, yeah. but, you know, they don't have any stop and hold, stop and cover in them. Um, and it's interesting because everyone sort of says, oh, you know, you got to, do it by the book and, and stuff so you know if it was a collie or a kelpie you want you want them to hit and hold a cow you know all this you know hit hold let the cow move off them i can't fight with a cattle dog that much to say you must hit the cow and then halt when it goes against everything in their dna so um a few people have said oh you know that's a tail turn and it's not um i'll use pip to say push cattle out from trees or, or push cattle and I don't need to ram them out with a sledgehammer <laughs> um but I need a dog with a bit of grunt to bite them and then obviously let the cattle move off her and give them relief and the only way I can really get that with her is to let her hit them and then retreat a little bit so it might look like a tail turn it might look like she's um leaving the pressure uh, but she is leaving the pressure. Like she's not. Yeah. She's just not leaving the pressure because I've um, because she's scared. She's leaving that pressure because she understands that we just need to tap them out from the trees, not yeah. um, sledgehammer them out from the trees. So she will like go up, hit a front foot, um, come back a few meters, uh, pick her next troublemaker, walk in on that one, hit that one on the nose, come back a few meters, and and by that stage the, the cattle are starting to walk out from the fallen timber not race out yeah yeah and once again i think the important thing you highlighted there is that's what they were bred to do right duck in and out and and get some get some movement yeah yeah i mean they, they start movement so um yeah. and and that, again you know why do i use them and i can see the benefit now but I'm not going to say they're unbreakable because I'll jinx myself and I'll go out tomorrow, <laughs> but like they just, they don't bust and they're lightning quick. They, they don't hang. They just like, they get in and, and get out and, and the cows learn a very quick, swift, sharp lesson. And <laughs> uh, yeah. And the presence too, like the presence that they've got, like they, you know, sometimes poor sleep, you know, I'll, I'll know that the pen of cattle are really, really well broken in when I can just send him around. And, and he's he's getting quite tough. I mean, he's a true blue Josh dog. So, um, and he's starting to get his um, cattle DNA coming out of him. But 
he, quite often if he's going around, he'll draw cattle onto him. You know, like cattle just um, uh, will will chase him. You know, like that. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the presence isn't there. Whereas Pippi goes in or Ivy goes in, and um, yeah, they might walk up and sniff her, but they're not going to um, chase them or, or do anything. So, yeah. My miniature stretch cattle dog just ran inside as as you said that. <laughs> good uh eat, give me a cap. Say good day. See, you picked him because he looks like a cattle dog. It's like dash down across. <laughs> yeah, my mate. That's what um, I said when they got him, because they got a cattle dog like a day later and I was like, it just looks like mm-hmm. it's younger sibling that's not that size. <laughs> It's been interesting though, because I was thinking about this today. I thought, oh, you know, what am I going to talk about? You know, you've had all these legends on, and here's me who's been, you know, 18 months ago, just landed at this place with a huge amount of animals and um, been pretty much the main dog person. I do get on the horses and ride the pens as well, but um, mainly the dog stuff. And yeah, it's just, I can think, what, what have I come across? And, and, Seeing everyone, you know, when you get into the trial world and all that and everyone's like, oh, you know, this is how you should be working a dog and this is correct livestock handling and and that's an interesting thing that we move a lot of sheep around the, the feedlot and um, sheep coming in, you know, 2,000 sheep coming in a week, 2,000 being loaded out, you know, we saw 28,000 in eight weeks last year. So there's a lot of sheep movement coming and going and sleep, my main Kelpie started doing this thing where I'd be... I go up ahead and set all the gates, check the water for the, the sheep, and he will go and dig them out of the um, the pen they're in and then bring them up the laneways and, and then bring them to the new pen. And a few times there, you know, there'd be a sick or injured sheep and I'd just yell out to him, you know, leave it, mate, leave it. And he very quickly learned that if there's a, um, a sick sheep or a limping sheep um, to drop it off, and, and a few people said, you can't teach him that. Like, that's, like, he's got to bring them all to you. And I thought to myself, well, why does it have to, why does he have to bring them all to me? Because I now have to go and euthanize that sheep. And life is so much easier if I'm euthanizing it in a laneway, already isolated. If he was to go back and get every single sheep, then I'm now stuck trying to shoot one in a pen with 400 other sheep, you know, like, so I used to think, why does he have to go back and get them all? Like this suits my job. Yeah. Him making those decisions makes my job easy. And if that means that he one in a million chance that he might do it in a trial, so be it because that's a, that's a weekend hobby. And this is what I, you know, 10 hours a day. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting with some people like, Oh, yeah, you know, that's not proper work. And I'm like, but that's the work that suits me doing this job. So absolutely. And and you touched on there like um some of the legends we had and what you thought you could bring on to the show. Everyone could bring something on this show, right? And that's what it's all about. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I mean, funny something to learn off someone. How many funny stories do you want to hear where I've done stuffed up and <laughs> lost sheep up at the manure pen? You know, because, like, you know, 12,000 cows make a lot of manure and, and, and you know, sometimes we get dead ones. And, you know, so we make great blood and bone fertiliser here, but it's not fun when you lose sheep up there. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of your sheep, and, and I hate to harp on about your cattle dogs, but back to your cattle dogs there. Yeah. You know, talking about dogs with a lot of grunt and gears and come in and get things moving. Um, 
mentioned before your dogs are back, uh, also back in races as well. Is that something that was coming natural to them now watching other dogs do? Was that something that you were teaching to start with? And how did that come about? Um, again, just a challenge, you know, <laughs> uh, can I get them to do this? And um, they just, they all take to like ducks to water. And uh, again, that cattle dog, just show them like, you know, people seeing videos of Pippi, you know, she's not a, um, she just knows that like she goes, okay, that pen now has to go up to the truck. So she goes and gets them. Um, she might see a kelpie go over the backs and, and she's like oh that looks easier that gets the job done better <laughs> um yeah and, and the presence like her and we've got a ben's got a dog molly uh she was a drillery purchase and those two together like yeah just um roll the b doubles up and roll them out 10 minutes later <laughs> yeah but you know they've both got a lot of presence and yeah get the job done for you um you mentioned trialing You've done a little bit of trialling um, with your Kelpies and your cattle dogs? Yeah, I did. Like when I was up in Sydney and, and doing the weekend stuff, I you know, went through the ANKC system because I had that sort of um, non-conformist type breed that, you know, the ANKC was started for. Um, and, yeah, and now I've gotten into, I've done one utility trial and a couple of yard trials and love it. Um, I'm entered this weekend at Carcor, but... I don't think we can get out with the flood water. I mean, <laughs> I'm living in the shearing shed at work at the moment because we can't get home. So I don't think we'll be going to that trial. Um, I'm in the office at the moment talking to you guys. Um, yeah, I love the trial and can't wait to get back to more of it. So the last one we did was Wentworth and I ran yep. both the older Kelpies and the Improver and I think that was like my fifth trial. Yep. Um, loved it. And I think my my goal at the moment with the trialing is to have that feeling of um, I don't want to ever be that person who's yelling and screaming at their dogs and, you know, fighting with their dogs out there. So my goal, and it was a really nice feeling at Wentworth, was just to have, to really feel like a team with the dogs. We lost heaps of points because I'm standing in the wrong spot and I'm helping them too much. And, um, yeah, but but I was happy with the quality of work we did and, uh uh, Warwick Dillon was the judge and he said both dogs had like you couldn't take a point off them for the you know the, the pickup and the, the first obstacle so yeah that was a buzz and, yeah. and it was just nice to feel um a team with them so what, what is it that got you hooked oh competitiveness we're all competitive <laughs> yeah. aren't we <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> and um yeah this is gonna sound really like yeah, it's it's a good feeling to um to go out there and put your display your skills or test yourself or or your lack of skills, um and and try to learn more against other people. So um and against the sheep too. I mean, I just did all the A and K C trying because when you're sort of only getting access to stock on weekends, you're just desperate for any stock time you can get. So, um, but now I really get a buzz out of the um my dog and myself doing it as a team together i'm sure once i learned to handle a bit better as in not lose points and where to stand and um draft a bit better don't ask ben about my effort drafting um <laughs> and merinos the other day <laughs> and i've got no excuse i do enough of it um but yeah oh yeah the competitive streak will probably kick in then 
no, so there's no better way to let your dog down like drafting or putting or not putting away the sheep. Trust me, I make these yeah. mistakes <laughs> frequently. Just I'm notorious for drafting wrong, so always three steps ahead of where uh, my hands and where I'm at. I always think about something else, but anyway, sometimes you get it all right as well. So, is there a particular style of trialing that you find more enjoyable or one that you want to get into more of? Um, I really enjoyed the Finley utility trial. Uh, I did throw myself in the deep end because I'd never done, never even done a three sheep. Uh, hadn't even, I should have gone out in the paddock here and just plucked three sheep out and uh, practised a little bit. Uh, but they said, oh, there's going to be a, a Robert Cox clinic the day before and it's going to be for utility. And I thought, oh, good, we can practise the utility course. Well, in the end it got changed and it was just more of a, you know, normal course and i was like oh here we go and kevin howell was there going haven't you even like done an obstacle practice <laughs> and i was like no we're just gonna <laughs> wing it <laughs> and I, I won't, uh, yeah then i was like yeah it was it was good so we um we made it through the first obstacle um and awesome and, and what was it about second. the utility trial that, that left a real buzz or spring what was that step? sorry what what is it about the utility trialing that left left the spring in your step? Oh, well, probably because I've always had the cattle dogs. You, you know, three there was no chance they were ever going to three sheep, um, and so it was a bit of a buzz to stand there and have a you know that sort of big casting dog and um, yeah. So there's a lot to work on there, but um, I really enjoyed it. Although I did, I was welcome the second half of the course. You know, the, the yard bit, and I'm thinking, why am I even? Why am I even bothering? Um, <laughs> paying attention to the draft I'm not going to get this far but and I didn't but that was to be expected and I was happy with the work that they showed yeah no that's awesome and um any advice for someone wanting to come into the ag industry like you've obviously you know done some other stuff before you got into it but still been involved yeah have you got any advice yeah just do it like there's crying out for staff at the moment just um yeah, we can employ more people here and, and just um, it, it always worried me a little bit about, like, uh, the pay. I thought the pay was really low um, and certainly the pastoral award isn't anything um, to write home about. But there's plenty of places that are paying well above the award. You just ask them. I mean, if you're providing good dogs, good horses, um, and that's, you know, if you're just sort of coming from that weekend warrior type place, you've still got good dogs. So if yeah. you can still do the job, um, yeah, and just just do it. It's not that hard to find um, accommodation. A lot of places have it on site. Um, and just jump in the deep end. I was so nervous when I took this job. I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna be the worst person here. My dogs are gonna show me up. Like, <laughs> and um, and yeah, we sort of hit the ground running and um, haven't really looked back. So. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's admirable, right? And like you said, like from a weekend warrior, you already had some um, like dog experience in, and your dogs already had a bit of an idea. It was just getting the miles under their belt, right? Yeah, definitely the miles. And, um, and you know, as without saying, you know, sort of just good general control of them. Um, and then you can pretty much have a crack at anything. So, I mean, it's not like I turned up and they were like, oh, can you go out to that 800-acre paddock out the back and, and muster it? And, oh, yeah, I'll grab my one-year-old cattle dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> picking the right tools for the job. Um, but, yeah, no, it was 
That's good. Um, Actually, just Laura, do it. I just said to people, just, just, just honestly, don't just don't leave it until you're too old. Like, I wish I could have done this ten years earlier. Because, yeah, four a.m. <laughs> starts. I should have been doing it in my twenties, not my forties. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's great advice. Actually, Laura, who was it that said they took a job and they said they had a team of dogs and they'd never worked? Was it Travis? Is yes, it just I think it was. I think it was yeah. actually it was someone from Victoria. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I've got a team of dogs and he didn't even have a dog going at that time. He had to go and get one or something. I think he said in his yeah, chat. I can't remember if it was him or someone else, but, yeah. Yeah. But there yeah. you go. You already started ahead of that game, Belinda. <laughs> oh, but I think if someone really wanted to get into this, you just, like, you could get away and just get your foot in the door and just get one one reliable dog. Yeah. And um, get your foot in the door and get started. But it's not even hard to get your foot in the door. The, the, the doors are wide open. They're desperate for staff. Absolutely. And is there someone you'd like us to sit down and have a chat with on Dog Talk? I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, there's been so many great people on and, and lots of people that um, I've really enjoyed listening to. Uh, someone who I think would be really interesting is where I got my second Kelpie from. Um, uh, Christy Shrubsole down in Hamilton. She really doesn't trial or anything, but you know they do a lot of trade cattle, um, a lot of sheep, and I love watching her videos. She's yeah, I mean, a few times we've talked about um, uh, like the style of training, allowing them to learn on the job, and letting them letting not trying to make them into robots, but keep that thinking Kelpie alive and and how she starts them. I think she'd be really interesting. Not yes. someone probably a lot of people know of because unless you're out there trialling, people don't really know you, but I think she'd be interesting. Yeah, we'll That's see. all right. We'll, uh, we'll have to grab some details um, of her off your, offline sometime. Yeah. You know, I just I think just try to think of people who are doing, you know, the stock work um, and, yeah. I mean, and that was I ended up with my second kelpie because I was it was at the COVID period where you couldn't get a kelpie pup because all the pet people were buying them and you just couldn't find dogs anywhere. And then I found some videos of her working her um, main dog Ardu and Simba, and I thought, wow, he's a really I really I just really liked what I saw, all different types of work, and I just liked the way his style went and everything. So yeah, I think she could be interesting. But that's cool. And because you're very informative on the way that you answered questions tonight, there are a few <laughs> questions that came in after what we've already spoken about. So yeah. we typed through those. The only mm. one that didn't come through was the one from Ben that we already didn't ask. So we're going to make your job really easy in picking that question tonight. So, Ben, if you can send us your details, the bag of enduro coming your way, mate. <laughs> uh, Really love the way you articulated your questions and answered them. You kind of didn't leave anything. So as the questions got through, well, that one's been spoken about, so let's keep moving oh, on. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was <laughs> curious about, like, I was waiting for the, you know, why, why bother with cattle dogs question. No, 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 I'll enjoy that because the conversation really, really flowed. So, that nah, really appreciate that. So, Ben, get in contact with us. Uh, Bag of Enduro coming your way. Belinda, thank you very much for your time as well tonight. Bag of Enduro coming your way. So we'll grab your details um, after the chat. Um, but you're not getting off that easy. One last question. No, it's this is question. <laughs> oh, here we go. Well, considering, do you know how many ducks are around here at the moment? With all the 
<laughs> so would you rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? Uh, one duck the size of a horse because I'd get my little blue bitch Pippi and <laughs> she can fight it for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Very well answered and I'm sure Pippi would have an absolute face there. <laughs> Belinda, thank you very much for your time tonight. Um, all our viewers listening live, thanks for jumping on. Um, everyone that's listening back, thank you very much. Um, I hope you have a great night um, and enjoy listening back. And please remember we learn every day and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Belinda. Bye.